Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. Good evening and welcome to the Ex-Mormon Files here in the heart of Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I appreciate you spending your, some of your evening with us. I'm really pleased tonight to introduce Heather McCuller, who is a former Mormon, and uh, would like to hear her story tonight. So appreciate you coming and sharing. Thank you for the invitation. You're a multi-generational Mormon, I heard. I am. My grandmother was one of the daughters of the Utah Pioneers. Wow. Um, so all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, on my dad's side, on my mom's side, um, there was some all the way back, but then also some relatively new converts yeah. in the early part of the 1900s. Yeah. So all the way back. And active were you all your... I was active Youth? most of my life. Yeah, baptized at eight and baptized business. at eight. Yeah. Born in the covenant. Um, did temple baptisms when I was twelve oh, okay. and um, served in presidencies. Loved young women. Yeah. So all of it. Did you go to seminary. Went to seminary and graduated from seminary. Yeah. So. Felt like you probably knew the church was true or never really questioned it, did you at this point? Never questioned it. Yeah. I bought into the whole thing. <laughs> I, I believed it all and I loved it. Yeah. I loved going to Temple Square, especially at Christmas, to see the lights. I yeah. loved going up into the North Visitor Center and seeing the Christus. Um, I loved going to weddings and waiting for the bride and groom to come out of the temple. Come out of the temple, yeah. I loved all of it. Yeah, mom and dad active and pretty much. And yeah, they, they were always. Um, my dad and my mom uh, divorced when I was in high school. And oh. so my mother is active in her ward and my dad and my stepmom are active in their ward. and Still? Still, and yeah. they're currently serving a service mission in Salt Lake. Wow. And so what happens in life? You. Uh, well, got married and um, went through the temple a year after we got married okay. and took out our endowments and were sealed on, on the same day. How was that experience, getting married in the temple? Well, it was, it was exciting because we had worked so hard to be ready and yeah. had to get up really early. We lived in the Seattle area at that time, oh, really? so we had to get up really early to get to the temple yeah. by the appointed time. and. My mom was my escort, uh -huh. and um, and I remember going through the endowment ceremony. She went to do something, and sister rushed over. Oh no, 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 sister! We don't do that anymore. Oh, some of the uh, some of the uh, she later explained things. to me that um, they used to do a motion of of slicing their own throat mm -hmm. and then yeah. slicing open their own bowels and. Um, and I was really glad I didn't have to yeah, do that. I, I can imagine. What did that she was, say about that? Um, she had. She said something, I think, to the effect that she never did like that, and she was really glad that they weren't doing that anymore. You know, I, I thought it was funny. Of course, I was on both sides of it. I'd been through the temple before, so I, I did those 
and then after it was in about 1990 when it happened and I just kind of joking to myself was well they're going to have to tell the angels or we're, we're, we'll have to tell the angels that we're mm -hmm. passing by whether we went through the temple before 1990 or after 1990 because otherwise how would they know if we're giving the right signs and symbols and all that so it was just kind of silly but you know you'd think that something like that would never change right so <laughs> you would think and then um, if it was from God I mean if it was yeah, from God important and you know it was really interesting because I had been taught that Masons for the Freemasonry um, there were some some aspects to that that were troubling and so a couple of years ago I was reading a novel and in the novel the author describes um, Freemasonry rituals oh dear. and it was by the same guy who wrote the Da Vinci Code and when he described those rituals um, of the slicing the throat and then disemboweling oneself my <laughs> jaw I reread it about four times I think and yeah. just I could not believe it because there was the tremble ceremony described in a fictional novel yeah. in rituals attributed to the Masons and I knew that Joseph Smith had been a Mason yeah. so I was pretty disturbed about that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well so you get married and you get sealed, I mean you're in the temple and uh, life's going on, you have a couple of kids I believe and so what else happens? Well about eight years into the marriage um, some things we decided to move from Salt Lake City area back up to Washington State mm -hmm. and my husband kind of changed um, he he started behaving in a way that was not very kind oh. and so I went to the bishop and so we then we went to the bishop and then we went to the stake president when the bishop wasn't able to help us and and they both neither one of them could figure out which of us was telling the truth oh and, <laughs> and so that was really hard for me because I had always been taught that the bishop and the state president anyone in a priesthood leadership position mm -hmm. such as that was given a spirit of discernment and so for me I was thinking how on earth can they not discern who is telling the truth <laughs> if they have this spirit of discernment what's going on here yeah and did anything ever get resolved or did what happen? Well, we ended up divorcing. Oh, okay. It became necessary yeah. to divorce. And um, and it was just probably maybe about six months or so after we divorced, my stake president told me that after we had separated, my ex-husband had started calling him. And it was then that he finally realized that I had been telling the truth and had been able to see what had been going on. and. It was nice to have that validation, but yeah. I had sure wished that they had seen yeah. it at the time. A little disappointing, as you say, they weren't as inspired as they. Yeah, it's, we're just men, just guys, mm -hmm. trying, praying for inspiration. I imagine they're sincere, but. Uh, well, I imagine that you felt that you were sincere yeah. whenever you were counseling anyone. But, yeah, but nothing ever, you know, magical appeared to to tell me. Mm -hmm. to, to be discerning and so right. okay so after the divorce then what? um after the divorce and are you active all this time in the church are you going to church i was yeah. i was active um and then kind of went a little bit inactive for a while but then got back into going to church yeah. and in 2004 um, i was remarried and my grandmother passed away and about a month later i'd been told i couldn't have any more babies about a month later i found out i was pregnant wow 
<laughs> and um, and the circumstances of the pregnancy made it very, 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 very high risk. Oh. So um, about four months into the pregnancy, um, I needed to be hospitalized and they encouraged me to terminate the pregnancy and, and there was just no way um, mm -hmm. because that was my baby girl. <laughs> and I'd had a blessing promising that I would get to have her and, um, and just shy of five months pregnant, I started to hemorrhage and, and she had to be taken by emergency cesarean because if not we would both pass away and so it was, um, it was very trying to have had that blessing that I was going to be able to had keep her. Had such hope that you were going to have her. And then didn't. Again another little disappointment it sounds like in the Yeah and of course of the all. explanation was well but you'll always have her, you'll have her in the next yeah. life. Which I, I, I believe God will <laughs> restore us, you know, at least let me give her a good big hug. Yeah. But it's not quite the hope, the same hope that we had when we were LDS in the yeah. sense of a family unit. Yeah. Well, these are disappointing experiences, I'm sure, and they do kind of make you at least question the, what you think of, as being inspiration and discernment, as you say. So mm -hmm. that's kind of a tragic thing. And what, uh, were you okay during this time? Did you, um, did you blame God or anything? Or I didn't really blame God, but I was devastated, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so many hopes and dreams, and then yeah. those hopes and dreams gone. But the doctor told me that I lost 70% of my blood supply. Oh when gosh, that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, very. So I definitely felt like I had been preserved, yeah. um, which I was very grateful for because I had yeah. two sons who still needed their mom, and, sure. and I was very grateful for that. Um, and so I had a lot of recovery to do yeah. after losing her. And the missionaries started to call and asking if I could come and help them out and um, do the temple, or not the temple, sorry, the, the church tours. They would invite investigators oh, to come to, okay. the, to the church building and yeah. give them a tour of the building. And, and were you up for that? Were you able to yeah. do Yeah, yeah I, I figured what the heck, you know, yeah. let's, I'd go and do that. It would give me something to do and, and I was very active. And so how did that go? You know, it went pretty well. Yeah. I, you know, at the time I was, um, I think I was, I can't remember if it was before or after that that I was a homemaking leader and I was I also was a Relief Society teacher so I was really active and yeah. and really loved the church and wanted to share that joy with other people so mm -hmm. I was happy to. Now you mentioned a little experience about the missionaries themselves having felt like they were fulfilling quotas and so on. Did you, mm -hmm. you want to explain that just a little bit? Sure. <laughs> um, these guys really became kind of like extra sons to me, so yeah, I really so. I really loved them. They all called me Ma. Yeah. And, um, but they did kind of quietly confide that they had a certain quota that they were expected to meet. And so um, watching them during the first or second discussion challenge someone to commit to be baptized before this person even had a chance to know what the LDS church was all about and the yeah. commitments they'd be making seemed a little presumptuous to me. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel pressured. very comfortable <laughs> with that. Yeah. yeah. And especially when you have someone who maybe has a tobacco habit, um, that's a pretty big deal to yeah. give up. Quit one day and be baptized the next type thing or something. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that would be hard. To yeah. 
They would want to set a date for baptism within a couple of weeks. Wow. And so there was one lady, I can't remember her name now, but she got baptized and she just couldn't kick that habit. (laughs) So she went and bought some Nicorette gum. And she found that she was chewing that more than she should. So she brought it to me and asked me to keep it for her. And then I was kind of her dispensary. (laughs) And she'd come and get a few pieces at a time. Well, pretty soon I noticed she wasn't coming by as often. And and it proved true (laughs) that she went and bought some more. Oh, boy. And she eventually stopped coming to church Uh because she just couldn't get past that tobacco habit. And and I felt so bad for her yeah. because I think she probably felt like a failure or... Yeah, isn't that disappointing? Yeah, you feel disappointed in yourself. That, mm-hmm. yeah, but and that, such a sweet lady. Yeah. So that was really sad. And yeah. I saw another couple who um, literally they got married, went into the changing rooms, changed into baptismal clothes and got baptized. Same day? Same, within about 15 minutes they said, I do, and then got baptized. And that marriage only lasted, I think, about six months to a year before it fell apart. And it was really sad because I I don't know if the if if um, if they'd not joined the church, what What may or may not have what difference it might have made. Put some extra pressures on them, probably. But But yeah, it might have because I know that she was from a, a an LDS family. Mm. So there was probably a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah. now you're baptized. Now you got to go and, and get married in the temple, and you've got to do this. And and it was sad to watch that family fall apart. So what happens after this? You, This is in the 2000... 2000 About 2005, 2005, 2006. What happens next? Um, just con- kind of continued doing that. And then in 2007, my um, husband decided to he was going to quit his job and go on tour with his band and with his band and as you can imagine that's not the most lucrative (laughs) way to provide for your family especially if you don't have a an already set following and he'd already done that once before and put us in some pretty serious financial straits Mm -hmm. so i told him if he chose to do that again that i would leave because i just i could Couldn't not go, go through, through that, that. Yeah. no we'd almost lost our house and mm-hmm. it was i had two kids to think of yeah. so was he lds he was lds a return missionary oh my goodness and nobody could talk him out of going so yeah. he quit his job and i filed for a divorce and and it was really pretty amicable i mean yeah. we didn't i mean we certainly had our disagreements and yeah. and hurt feelings about it but yeah. But I still talk to his daughters, and they yeah. still mean a lot to me. And all this time, you believe the church is true. Uh, we have living prophets, and the Book of Mormon's true, and all that. You have a testimony. I did, and you know, but there were certain things that happened over a period of years that began to add up. And I think the first one was around 19, I want to say 1997, 98. I remember getting the Sunday newspaper and opening up and there was a special section inside the Ogden Standard Examiner talking about Joseph Smith and all his polygamy. And so I read this article and <laughs> and my jaw's dropping You'd and I've never heard of that before. I'd right? never heard that and I'd Not amazing. gone to church my entire life and graduated from seminary. So I took it over to my dad's and Dad, oh my goodness, will you look at this? I'm so upset about it and yeah. And my dad is telling me to calm down. It's fine. It doesn't mean the church isn't true. And I'm saying, but they never told us about it. Why are they hiding this? And so that was kind of in the back of my mind. And then 
Um, a couple of years later, while my husband was at work, um, that's when the internet was becoming big, so I got involved in a chat room for people who were LDS and, and of course started running into what we would have termed anti-Mormons, Anti, yeah, yeah. who started telling me things like the Adam-God theory and telling me about the um, Book of Abraham and questions about that. Things again you'd never heard before, right? Things I'd never heard yeah. before. All the changes Shocking. in the translation of the Book of Mormon and yeah. I'm saying that's not true. Yeah. It's an inspired translation. It's perfect. It's I the most correct heart. of any book on the earth. I know. Not true. And, <laughs> um, and so someone sent me a packet of material and I remember feeling so guilty that it was even in my house. Yeah. It took probably two or three weeks before I even opened it. <laughs> and once I did and I read it all, it was like, okay, I've read it, shoved it back in and to the envelope and tossed it in the trash because I felt guilty that it was in my house. I still wanted to believe it was all true. Sure. And um, so you have that and then the spirit of discernment or the lack thereof of my state president and bishop and yeah. then seeing the missionaries pressuring people to get baptized and and always being taught that it was better to never make a covenant than to make it and break it yeah feeling like that wasn't really fair position to put those people into so what really brings you to the moment when you can kind of step back from it all i think that it had all just added up to a point of i just had enough um of everything all adding up it just there were doctrines that never felt right to me, like yeah. the doctrine of um, celestial marriage involving plural marriage, and yeah. the idea that I was going to be giving birth to spirit babies for eternity just was not terribly appealing. Yeah, and and so I just decided I was done and decided to just get away from it. And so when we, when I, my second husband and I divorced. I moved back here to Utah, okay. and I turned in my letter immediately because I just I you didn't just even want to get started. I just wanted to be done, clean start. Wow! So These I turned in my really letter. really impacted you, hadn't they? The different thoughts, and mm -hmm. so did you go to a Christian church, or how? What happened? I claimed to be an atheist for a long time. Oh, did you really? That happens, doesn't it? It does, yeah. and part of that was I was so angry at God that denying that he existed felt it was felt better than being angry wow and so it was just easier to say he's not there he's not real it's all a big joke than to say i'm mad at you i hate you well, i mean here we we grew up in the church and believing it's the only true church the only way to god and you find, start learning these difficult strange doctrines and why doesn't the church talk about them kind of stuff you know why don't you know about them and so I guess that's an easy route, isn't it? Because there are a lot mm -hmm. of people that go agnostic or atheist, right? Yeah, and I think it, after the anger began to subside some, yeah. then it, it moved more towards being agnostic, knowing there had to be something bigger than me out there, but not quite sure what it was, Yeah, and still not being ready to acknowledge God because <laughs> I was still upset. Yeah, And so I just kind of went with that for a while and and found out you know, in retrospect, that life's a lot easier when you rely on God than when you're trying to rely on yourself. Yeah, that's for sure. So what happens to kind of bring you around to thinking about God? And Well, um, after moving back here, I met my sweetheart and um, a good man who holds his job down and treats me with 
great love and respect. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Hard to resist. Okay. Hard to resist. Yeah. And he wasn't a believer. Um, he was raised in New England. and Not A believer of anything. Didn't really. Yeah. yeah. He was raised in New England. He told me he'd gone to church with people a few times, friends yeah. or family here and there, maybe at the holidays. And when we later discussed it, he told me, that he'd heard about God and Jesus, and he hoped it was all true, but he just didn't think it was. Yeah. So he let you go to church, though? To, or to well, I didn't go initially. Oh, you didn't? The first couple of years we were married, um, just kind of doing our thing, and then one day um, I'd gone out, and I was, I was going to get some things from the store. And I went into the restroom real quick as I'd gone into the store, and when I came out, I just felt this very urgent need to get home. And I didn't even go to pick up a drink or a pack of gum or anything. I just, just I felt like I had that. to get home. Yeah. So I got home and and at first everything seemed fine. And then pretty soon I noticed that he wasn't breathing right. And so wow. um, so I realized that he was suffering a medical emergency and I called 911. And the paramedics told me that if I'd found him even three to five minutes later, we probably would have lost him. So you felt God had a hand in that for sure, didn't you? It took a while to admit it, but yeah, <laughs> deep down I knew. You didn't really want to admit it. I didn't want to admit it. Yeah. And he was in a coma for several days, so even then I wasn't sure that if he did wake up, right. that he was going to be okay, that yeah. there wouldn't be any long-lasting, long-term effects. So when he woke up and everything was okay, um, so I'm kind of out of that crisis mode. Yeah. Then I'm able to finally say, it wasn't my idea to come home. I didn't even want to come home at that moment. I had other things I wanted to be doing. So I had to acknowledge that God had brought me home. Oh, that's, that's sweet. So, yeah. yeah so and that, that kind of turned things around for you then? Huh? It did. And in the meantime, it, it was a couple of years past, but um, we'd had our 20, 20th year high school reunion and so reconnecting on Facebook with old friends and one of those old friends was always posting something about the youth group at his church and the Fusion Youth did this and the Fusion Youth did that and blah 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 and I'd say oh that's nice goody for you and but now I'm starting to pay a little bit of attention because I know I don't want to go back to the Mormon church yeah. and um, and it just so happened that about that same time there was a church that I would drive by every day on my way to work and I noticed that it was being remodeled and then it changed from what it was to joining another church in the area that had a, another couple of campuses that I'd seen billboards for yeah. and I'd always noticed the billboards so now it, now looking back I kind of laugh that it was almost like a, a divine conspiracy <laughs> to get my attention. Wake <laughs> up here Heather, huh? <laughs> yeah. Was this Alpine? It was Alpine. Alpine. And so what was your first experience going to church? Well, it was about, about two and a half, three months after my husband was in the hospital. And I'd finally admitted to myself that, I, that God was real. And I wanted to go somewhere. So I decided to sneak in to the very back row in the very yeah. back corner. And I already kind of knew what to expect because when I first moved back to Utah, I made a friend and, and she invited me to attend her church in Draper, so I went. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, that was such a shock to walk into a contemporary Christian church where music there's a uh, rock band up there on yeah. the stage and the pastor's teaching wearing his um, 
I think he was wearing a polo shirt and, and jeans. <laughs> I'm thinking not quite the white shirt and tie you're and used the suit. to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Not at all. But the message was good. And so when I went into Alpine, it wasn't as shocking as it would have been. But um, I loved the music and I loved the message. The message yeah. um, that day was about peace. Mm. And it just, it just hit me right in the core. Yeah. And it felt, it not only felt so right, but everything was so based on the Bible that I knew this teaching was sound. Yeah. Even, so. even though I had to get past being taught that the Bible is true as far as it's translated correctly. Yeah, that's a big problem, isn't it? It is. So what do you think about Jesus now? Jesus is so amazing because when you're Mormon, you have, you have this list and you have all these boxes I've got to check off. I'm paying my tithing, I'm going to church every Sunday, I'm fulfilling my callings, we're doing family home evening, yeah. paying my fast offerings, going to the temple. And if you're not doing all these things, well then you're not worthy. Well, if I'm not worthy, that's like saying I'm not a good person. Yeah. And to finally and the guilt and all that that goes with that. Constant guilt, yeah. constantly being worried, am I doing enough to yeah. be able to go to the celestial kingdom? Yeah. Is God mad at me every time a bad thing happens? Yeah. And to find out that I don't need an institution to get me to God, that God it, it's that's what the Holy Spirit is for is to be that conduit yeah. between me and God. It's not an institution that I have to please the institution in order yeah. to be good enough to have God's favor. And it's through His grace that we're saved and His shed blood, and it's just between us and God. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, we're almost out of time. Oh, that You've did go by quickly. Yeah, it did. What do you? What would you say to the LDS people that might be considering um, or thinking and looking and being willing to study? <laughs> I think the first thing that I would say is don't be afraid to study for yourself and to find out in your own mind what the truth is. Yeah. Um, and realize, you know, there was one of the prophets said that if it's true, it can stand up to any scrutiny. Should be able to. Huh? So there's really nothing to fear. Yeah. And the second thing I would say is to realize that you're worthy of God's love. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, there's nothing so awful to put you out of the reach of God's grace. And yeah. that grace doesn't mean you get to go and sin and do whatever you want. It means you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're forgiven and our works are a reflection of our love for God, not something we have to do in order to earn God's love. That's so well said. It's just, it's such a freedom that we have now that we, we know that our sins have been paid for. They have been. And we don't have to carry that guilt around. No. Well, Heather, thanks so much for sharing your story. You're a sweet lady and we we'll sh wish you the best in everything you do. And we appreciate you watching tonight. Uh, you know, take the chance to, to look and study. You are following the gospel of Joseph Smith and not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good night. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Music